privilege, it's an honor to open the Word of God before you all tonight. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, I love working here. I love, I love working with our youth, and I, I, I count it as a privilege to, to be an influence. And, and, and I know that in, in my heart, man, they, they're my world too. And, and I want to see them all grow individually for the Lord, and, that, and I, love, I love working here. I, I love working with the youth. This is like, this is a dream job. I don't feel like I'm working, right, because I'm working my dream job. I, I love serving the Lord. It's not work, it's service. And uh, I'm just thankful. You know, I'm, I'm actually a product of camp, too. I love that he mentioned that. Um, when I was a young man, I, I went to camps a lot, and I remember God working on my heart there uh, uh, quite a bit. And, you know, oftentimes at camp, this is what they'll say to you. They'll say, well, some of you are going to go home, and in two weeks you're going to forget every decision that you made here. Um, parents can even say that to you. People in the church sometimes say that to you. They say, oh, once, give it about two, two months or so, and, and you're, you're going to stop. You stop your decision that you made for the Lord. You're going to stop serving the Lord. You're going to stop. You're going to stop that spiritual high. You're going to come off that spiritual high. That's what... That's what I was told. That's what I'm sure many of you were told. It, well, it didn't work for me. All right, God still worked on my heart outside of camp, inside of camp, and he, and he continued to, to grow me, right? Life isn't, it shouldn't be like this, right? A roller coaster, spiritual lows and spiritual highs, but life is kind of like this, right? We should be always growing towards the Lord. And, and yeah, I, I like those spiritual highs, man. I, 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 it's encouraging, and it's, and it's, you know, it's pushing to me. And when I, when I was about 14, I remember going to a camp, and I told God, a, a guy from uh, Niger, Africa, came and preached, and he was a missionary, and, uh, and God was just staring my heart about missions, about working for him. And I remember that week, I knelt down, I said, God, whatever ministry you want to put me in someday, I surrender. And that's what it took of me. I, I remember just coming down before God and, and and let me tell you what, I've had to re-surrender lots of times, okay? It wasn't just like when I was 14 that everything changed for me. No, I still had a lot of stuff I had to work on, and I had to con continually resubmit to God and, and re-surrender. Um, and then when I was 19, I was in Bible college. I was really questioning God about a lot of things, and I remember coming home from a conference, and uh, I was like, God, I, you really need to be extremely clear you have to be so clear that I cannot miss it, whether or not I'm called to preach. And God said that night, Preston, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. That will be close to our main text tonight. Romans chapter 10. God, God used this verse to um, change my life. says this in verse 14 of Romans chapter 10. It says, well, let's go back to the verses that we know, shall we? Let's go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Aren't you glad for that? Verse 10, for the, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Man, I'm thankful for these verses, aren't you? Verse 13, and for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
And then this is where God broke me. Verse 14 says this. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without what? A preacher. I remember sitting there. And in 2019, this is not super long ago, but I remember God telling me, Preston, how will they hear except you tell them, except there's a preacher? Man, how is a lost world, how is, how is the people dying and going to hell, how are they going to know about Jesus unless someone opens their mouth about it, that someone's you? You need to preach, Preston. I remember God breaking me that night, and I have it written down in my Bible. Man, I, every time I ever doubt, right, every time I ever, I ever like, think maybe, maybe this is not for me, I go back to that passage. Man, I, I am called to preach, and I, I'm proud of that. I'm not ashamed of that. I, I'm, I'm called to preach tonight. And I want to preach to you a, a sermon called this. I, I, I really, I have no other title this other than Why Camp? Why Camp? I, I made a, I forget what you call it, when you have a, a letter listed out for each thing. What is that called again? Acronym? Is it an acronym? Okay. Acronym for, I made up an, I should really figure out the, the names of these things, right? I've made up an acronym for camp, and it was this. It was Christ-like attitude magnified powerfully. I believe that camp is a place where Christ-like attitude is magnified powerfully. I'm a strong believer in camp. I've, I've gone to camps all my life. I've had bad experiences, but I've also had really, really, really good experiences. I'm talking about the, like the Lord speaks to me, uh, and I'm alone with him the whole week, and I get to hear from him. The word of God is preached every morning and every night, and I love, I love camp. I mean, I, I love what we're doing tonight. I, we're going to auction these off tonight. We're going to raise support, raise money to send our youth, our young people to camp. And let me tell you, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. I'm glad to be a part of a church that believes in the youth. I, I'm glad to be a church, part of a church that believes in, in investing in our young people. I really want to talk about that tonight. I want to talk about investing in young people. I want to talk about what the church needs to do. Turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, just a couple pages over. Wouldn't you agree with me, church, that we are in the last days? The last days are so prevalent. I mean, we are, we are here. The Bible talks about perilous times are coming. We're here. It just, you, I don't have to convince you of that. You can just turn on the news. You can convince yourself. You know what's going on in today's world. You know how wicked it has become and how wicked it will continue to become. It is absolutely no doubt that we are in the last days. Jesus is coming again. And he's coming again soon. And every day is another day that, that we get closer to Christ's return. Or that we get closer, one step closer to heaven. Right? And so Romans chapter 13 and verse 11, start there. This is what it says in Romans chapter 13, verse 11. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not rioting and drunkenness and not chambering and uh, wantonness, but not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision 
for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Let's pray. Lord, God, I pray you'd help me tonight. I pray that you'd help me preach. And God, I, Lord, I pray that you'd burden our hearts. God, I pray we'd have an, uh, we'd have an urgency to the mission you've called us to. And God, we pray that uh, you would touch our hearts. God, I pray you'd speak through me tonight. God, I, I just want to be used by you. And God, I pray this on your precious name, Jesus' name. Amen. Church, it is no doubt, it is absolutely no doubt that we are in the last days. The, the last days are here. We're going through rough times. The, the wickedness of the world is continually growing. There's gender confusions. There's, there's schoolhouses getting shot up every other day. There's, the murder rate is out of control, by the way, especially abortion. And, and, and we live in a wicked society. We live in a wicked world today, and, and the world is falling apart without God. And in Romans chapter 13, I, I think it gives a great explanation of what we need to do. You know what the Bible says? It says, knowing the time, knowing what time it is, it is high time. It is high time to awake out of sleep. It is high time. It's now. You know what that means? It, it means it's now. Like we're, like we're here. We're in the last days. Things are going bad in the world. It's now time. It, it's right now. It is high time to awake out of sleep. Turn to uh, first, first Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1 says this, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I run write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then suddenly destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief." You know what Paul here is saying is, hey, you know what? You know the last days are coming, and you know that Jesus will return. I don't even have to tell it to you. There's no excuse anymore. There's no excuse of why we shouldn't be on our feet serving the Lord when we know he's coming back. There's no excuse. Romans chapter 13, you can, uh, you can turn back there. I'll read a verse out of Matthew chapter 24. Jesus told of his return, and he said, man, nobody knows when Jesus is going to come back. Oh, but yes, he is coming, and yes, he is coming soon. Matthew chapter 24 says this in verse 36, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days were of Noah, uh, so shall the, the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Let me ask you this. What was it like in the days of Noah? There's a few notes there. It says that men were multiplying on the face of the earth, or a population explosion, right? Uh, there was genetic engineering uh, of some sort where there was gigantic men, right? There was giants in the land. There was wickedness every single day. And in fact, the Bible said that there was only wicked imaginations continually in the earth. Doesn't that sound like a lot like today? Right? Doesn't that sound like a lot like what we're going, what we're experiencing today? We're experiencing a lot of these things. The earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. The earth was filled with violence in Noah's day. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
2 Timothy chapter 3. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, we see more of the last days and what it sounds like. It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to read the whole chapter. Only 17 verses is what it says. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Wow. First of all, let me stop there. Doesn't that sound like today? Man, we are, we are lacking obedient children. I mean, I, I have seen, you go into a public school, I have seen the, the disobedience, the, the lack of respect for people's parents. It's almost like the children are, are parenting the parents. Disobedient to parents. That's what it says about the last days. Unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, again, we have gender confusion. People don't know what natural affection is anymore. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontent and fierce uh, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, uh, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. We live in in a world where where pleasure is at an all-time high, and our respect and awe for God is at an all-time low. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Man, even even the preachers, even the preachers, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away, verse six. For of this sort, are they which creep into the houses and, and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as uh, James and, and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all as theirs was also." But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, and what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Aren't you thankful for that? Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution." You know, I'm going to say this. The Bible makes a promise here. If you live godly, you will suffer persecution. What I'm scared about is not suffering persecution. I'll be honest. If, if you don't have any kind of rebuttalment in your life again, with the world, like the world doesn't look at you and hate you, you're doing something wrong. You're, because we're on this earth. We're, not, we're, not, we're in the world, but not of the world. All that will live godly shall suffer persecution. If you're not living godly, you won't suffer persecution. You won't suffer persecution if you don't live godly. Why? Because you're on the world's team. Verse, where do we stop there? 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that, being, uh, and that from a child thou hast 
knowing the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, those perilous, and, and let me say this, these perilous times are here, and we're going to suffer persecution if we live godly. And those wicked thoughts are continually here, and, and the perversion in the marriage, and the gender confusion. So what time is it? Knowing the time, turn back to Romans chapter 13. What do we do now that we know? The Lord's coming back soon. Man, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The last times are here. The, the, the persecutions are here. The, the wickedness and the, natural, the unnatural affection. Oh, it's all here. Disobedient to parents. It's here. It's here. Romans chapter 13, again in verse 11, says this. And that knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake out of sleep. You know what makes me sad is that the church needs to wake up. The church needs to wake up. We've already slept. We've already slept when they took prayer out of the public schools. We've already slept when they opened the abortion doors, the abortion clinic doors. We've already slept. We already slept through the pagianizing of America. We've already slept through, through enough. And let me say this, church, we cannot sleep. We cannot sleep when it comes to investing in these young people. We cannot sleep any longer when it comes to, to pushing the youth for Christ. We cannot sleep when it comes to reaching young people for Christ. I want to say this, number one, that there's an urgent mission. We need some urgency in our Christian life. We, there is an urgency. Why, why is there an urgency? Because Christ is coming back, and if I, before I die, I want to reach the young people for Christ. Right? There's, there's got to be an urgency. I know it is high time, meaning it's now time, meaning I, I don't have to wait any longer. I'm not waiting any longer. I want to reach young people for Christ. I want to invest in young people. And there's got to be some Christians who get a sense of urgency about what they're doing for God. There's got to be some Christians that sense, have a sense of urgency, and it's not just we hand out seven tracts a week. No, it's an urgent mission because there's really people. There's really people going to hell. There's really a real hell that's fiery and burning every single day, and almost every second someone's passing away and going there right now as we speak. Every time I snap my fingers, there's another soul that dropped off in hell. There's an urgent mission. And the Christian needs an urgency to get the gospel out. Why? Because our salvation is nearer than when the day I believed. Jesus is coming back. Listen, I'm, I'm going to pass away one day and either, and we, we can't live like we have tomorrow. If every one of us in here knew that I, you were going to, to pass away in, in the next 24 hours, what would you do? If you knew you were going to pass away in the next 24 hours, what would be your mission? What would you do? Some, some say, oh, I'd go golfing. No, I don't really believe that. I believe that you would be urgent 
about what you love the most. If you knew you were passing away tomorrow, you would be hyper-focused on what matters to you most. It is high time to awake out of sleep, church, and realize the urgency of the mission. Our salvation is nearer than when it, the day before. Every day that I live is a day closer where either I will pass away and go to heaven or the Lord returns. It's urgent. Don't keep putting it off. Don't keep putting off, well, maybe next week when the, when the preaching's really good, I'll surrender. Don't keep putting off when, well, when, when I really, really feel the, the prick in my heart and, 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 and just this happens and, and maybe I'll have this, this set of things happen in my life, then I'll surrender to Christ, then I'll, and then I'll start witnessing. Maybe I'll be bold then in my faith. No, it's high time. It's now time. The, the urgency of the mission, it's here. The last days are here. We can't live like we have tomorrow. We don't know, so we don't know what could happen tonight. We don't know what would happen tonight. It, God forbid some one of us goes home and we cross over that double yellow line and, and head on collision. We don't know if we have tomorrow. We don't even know if we have tonight. There's an urgency to this mission and the Christian needs an urgent living. Well, you think we need, we need redeeming the time, Christians. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. That's what it says in Ephesians. Let me show you this, guys. You can, you can send that slide up there. Maybe you think, well, well, I come to church on Sundays, and I, I come to church on the midweek service, and so I, I spend about three hours a week in church. Um, let me say this. If you are depending upon church for your walk with God, you're not getting enough. Church is no substitute for your walk with God. It is absolutely not. What I'm trying to push here tonight is that there is an urgency. There, there is a, a real-life mission going on right now. And we're not reaching young people the way we need to. What I'm showing you here is that blue 87%, if you take all the time during the, a, a whole year that is spent on social media, uh, the phone, any kind, of, any kind of social platform that is unrelated to God or could be considered worldly, okay? That is, that is the amount of time spent in a year on, on anything but Christ. That 13% is the total time spent in a year if you only use church as your walk with God that you spend with God. And we wonder why, why, why don't we have passionate young people for Christ? Where is the pa How are we going to have passion when 13% is all we're getting? There's a black dog and a white dog. Which one wins in a fight? The one you feed. The one you feed. What am I trying to say here? There is flesh and there is spirit. And if you spend 87% of your time feeding your flesh... When will you ever think that 13% is going to win? Right. Right. Come on, what, I, what I'm saying here is that it's now time. Right. 
It is high time. There's an urgent mission here. We have to reach the lost, and especially we got to invest in these young people, but we're never going to do well if we're only having 13% of God in our lives. 13%. Coming to church for your walk with God is not a sense of urgency. It's a, it's a sense of duty. Don't live your Christian life as if it's just a sense of duty. It's an, it's an urgency. It's an urgency. We ask ourselves, why, why aren't young people passionate about God? Why, why is this generation falling, falling away from the Lord? Because we've done it intentionally. We've walked away from the Lord. Thank you, guys. You can take that slide down. So why do I love camp? Why do I love what they do at camp? Well, you know what? I love the sense of urgency that it is because... I, when, I, when I read about this scripture here and, and how it's now time and, and, and our salvation is near, man, we, we ought to be doing more and more for Christ every single day. Why? Because he's coming again very soon. And I love thinking about this. I love that, that camp is it, such a special time. Man, those young people get to go out in the middle of the woods. And for some of you, you're like, that sounds awful already. You get to go out in the middle of the woods, and, and a lot of times, you, get, you just get to get alone with God. Right. And you get to spend some time with him. And I, I remember that being so impactful for me because every single distraction was gone. Yeah. Uh, the phone was gone. Yeah. The, the, the internet was gone. The, the, by the way, parents were gone. Some of you, I'm, not, I'm not coming at any parent, but I'm saying every distraction. Everything was gone. It was just, you know what it was? It was a time where I could just sit there and reflect on my life and, and really question my heart about, about God. And, and these young people get to go to camp. Why do we raise money for this? Why? You know, there's an urgency. And, and you know what? These young people get to go, and every morning and every night, they get to hear the Word of God preached, and throughout the day, they get to have their own devotion time. And, man, the Word of God is just heavy the whole week, all week. They get to hear the word of God preached. Well, we come to church, and so we have our 13%, and that's enough. What if we just gave just one week out of your whole year to just devoting everything to God? And it gives them such a space to surrender to Christ. They get to hear from him so much more clearly because every single distraction is gone. How are we going to reach young people? I really believe that camp is a great way to reach young people. You know what else we need? Look at that verse again. And knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Then it says in verse 13, let us walk honestly, as in the day, not rioting and drunkenness, and not in chambering or wantonness, not in strife and envying. You know the book of James says, it says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You know what we need tonight, church? We need some honesty. We need some honest Christian living. Come on, we need honest Christian parents. We need honest young people. We need some young people that will be honest with their parents. We need some parents that will be honest with their children. 
We need some church members that will be honest with each other. I worked with a guy when I was roofing a while ago. I used to work with him all the time. I'd try to witness to the man. He was a Spanish man. English was his second language. And I would talk to him about church and, and God and Jesus a, a lot. And, and I asked him one time, I said, Louis, why, why, don't you, why, why won't you come to church with me? You know, what, what's, what's holding you back from church? And this, is what, this was his response. He said, Preston, I, when I grew up, I went to church with my dad. And my dad was, was, the, was the cool guy in church and smiling and laughing all the time. And, and he was buddy-buddy with everybody. But when my dad was home, he was completely, completely different. All he did was wear a mask at church, Preston. And I'm scared of hypocrites. That's what he said. Now, I'm saying that. I'm, I'm not implying that hypocrisy, there, there's hypocrisy everywhere. You have to understand this. There's hypocrisy everywhere you go. And, and hypocrisy is not a good reason to not come to church. I will say that too. Why? If you were to go to, into a gym right now and there's people working out, if you went in there and you said, there's overweight people in there, they're all hypocrites. Right? You understand what I'm saying here? Right. Over, overweight people can work out in the gym. Right? They're not in shape. Right? You understand what I'm saying? So there's Christians who are not in shape. There's always going to be Christians who are not in shape. That's when you need to have grace. So I'm not, I'm not saying that leave church because there's hypocrites. Because there's, there's many hypocrites in church. That's why I'm saying parents, young people, we need honesty. Come on, where, where are the parents that are at home who they portray themselves to be at church? Right? Where's the young people that are as spiritual as they sound? Right? Have a real, real relationship with God, a real honest relationship with Christ. Come on, we need some honesty in our lives, don't we? You know, I, I'm not saying that any of these young people have ever come up and told me this, but it would, it would kill me, it would hurt me, if one of our young people were to come up and say, you know what, Preston, my, my parents are not who they seem to be. That would stink. That would hurt. And what I'm trying to say here is, the Bible says it's high time. Come on, awake out of your sleep. We have an urgent mission, and you need to be honest with yourself, and you need to be who you are in the day is the same person you are in the dark. We need an honest Christian Christianity. Let's be honest, young people. Let's be real. Parents, let's be real. Well, we don't, we don't have Bible time at home, and, and we don't have this at home. And, no, come on, it's high time. Come on, we need the Lord. We need honesty. Lastly, it says this. There's a Lord we need. In verse 13, go, uh, verse 13, it says this. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riding and drunkenness, not in chambering or, or wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh, to fulfill the lust thereof. You know what, young people, you know what we need? You know what we need? We need Jesus. <laughs> we need Christ. You know what, older, older people, you know what we need? We need Jesus. 
the young person is constantly saying, well, maybe if I just had that, that newest thing. No, you need Christ. Maybe, maybe if I had the, the latest drug. No, you need Jesus. Man, maybe if, I, maybe if I just had a little bit more cash. No, you need Jesus. Man, maybe if I just had a, little more, a, a few more possessions. No, you need Christ. Man, maybe if I just had that house and, and maybe look. No, you need Christ. We don't need any of this flesh-fulfilling things in our lives. We need Jesus. You know what the Bible says? It says, make not provision for the flesh. You know what that means? It means literally, do not provide anything for your flesh. You say, well, uh, the TV is not sin. Okay? But if you turn it on and it's causing you to sin, throw it out. Make not provision for the flesh. Don't provide for the flesh. Put some restrictions on your phone, young men. Put some restrictions on your phone, uh, old men. Right? Make not provision. Don't even allow yourself to get there. Man, we talked about drinking the other day. Man, don't even look at it. You know what the Bible says? Look not on it when it stirreth aright. Don't even look at it. Don't even, don't even go that direction. Man, you, you think the world looks shiny? It's dirty. It's sinful and fleshly. Make not provision for the flesh. Man, if there's something in your life right now, man, it's just providing for your flesh constantly. Get it out. Make not, stop providing food for your flesh. You want the spirit to win tonight? Make not provision for the flesh. Why do I love camp? It really takes away those provisions for the providing of things of the flesh. I mean, you get out there and you're staying up till 1230 at night and you're getting up at 630 in the morning. Your flesh is tired. <laughs> your flesh gets really tired really quick. And then finally God looks down and says, yes, I can speak to you. Finally, you stopped feeding your flesh more than you fed your spirit. And now I can do something. You know what it says? It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about that dog. I mean, the, the white dog and the black dog. Which one's going to win? Well, it's the one that you feed. Man, if we continue to live our lives providing and, and feeding the flesh, I don't care what it, what it is to you. If, if it's the dirty music, if it's, if it's the something on the phone that you're hiding, if it's something, something in your home that, that, that you need to, to come forward before your parents or, or parents, you need to come forward before your children. Provide not for the flesh. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What we need tonight is a Holy Spirit filling. We need some young people and, and parents and, and all church members to, to get filled with the Holy Spirit and, and live holy lives. Man, we need to, to live holy in this present evil world. For all who will live godly in this present evil world shall suffer persecution. We need some people that will, who will look like, talk like, sound like Christ. We need some teenagers that will put on Christ. We're the young people that will say, I'm done. I'm done with the wickedness. Man, I'm done. I'm done with this flesh of mine. Lord, I'm done. I'm done trying to, trying to make my flesh happy. God, I want to make the spirit happy. Where are the young people that will say that tonight? Where are the young people that will, won't wait any longer and they realize the urgency of the mission? Man, there is an urgency. 
there is an urgency, and the time is now. And there's an honesty that we need tonight. And there's also a Lord, Jesus Christ, that we need to put on. Man, don't stop making provision for the flesh. I'll end with this. Would you tonight, would you tonight pray for our young people who are going to camp? Man, the time is now. The time is now. Start praying now what God might do in the hearts there. Start praying now what God might do in your heart. Man, if there's, man, we, we need a, an urgent living and we need an honest living and we need to stop providing for the flesh. Will you pray tonight that God will help us and allow us to do those things? Let's pray. Lord, God, I thank you and I love you, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, move in our hearts. God, I pray that we surrender to you. And Lord, I pray that you would do something awesome in the young people's lives at camp and even now. God, we thank you for this auction. God, we thank you for everything you've done for us. Lord, we love you. I pray this all in your precious name, Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed. As the piano begins to play, I just want to ask this. Would you, would you, if you have not yet, would you surrender whatever it is you're holding back from Christ? Maybe it's something on, at the home. Maybe it's something in your heart. Even as parents, maybe it's, maybe it's honesty. Maybe we need a little more honesty in our lives. Maybe you're here with a young person, you want to pray with them. The time is now. It's high time. We got we to gotta wake out of our sleep. There's people dying and going to hell. I'm tired of seeing it. Let's not wait any longer. He's coming again. Where will he find you?
Lord, I pray that you give us strength tonight, and I pray that you would work in the lives. I pray you work in hearts. I pray you change lives. I pray we live holy, separated unto you. God, I pray this all in your precious, beautiful name, Jesus' name. Amen. We'll close our invitation.